Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the World of Lifting podcast. You're tuning in to the 57th episode. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, this is our first guest in maybe a month, but uh, I'll waste no time introducing her. She, her name is Intera Jackson. She is the t- Teen 2 IPF World Champion under 84 kilos. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, thanks for joining the podcast. Very, very no excited problem. to talk. Uh, my friend actually talked on here a while ago, and it was such an awesome podcast. Uh, Demetria? Oh. Oh, hey, shout out to Demetria. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, so hey. for people who don't know you, why don't you like kind of give an intro on yourself and, you know, tell people how you got started in powerlifting? Um, so I was in, I think, junior year of high school when I first started my um my dad actually had to lose some weight to get a hip replacement. Um, he had arthritis at the time and he wanted to, you know, find a really cool exercise to help him start losing weight, start that process. And at the same time, my brothers had joined the wrestling team and I had just ended my term in varsity field hockey. So we were all kind of free and my dad wanted to make sure my brothers, uh, when they got to the weight room, kind of knew what they were doing. And I was sort of like a tag along. <laughs> um, so we, my dad's coworker actually owns a powerlifting gym called SMG Powerlifting. It's in Westchester. Um, and he had to start going there. And we started to get trained by one of the people in the gym. And it just sort of kind of blew up from there. Um, my dad's coworker ended up recommending me to his coach, which is Mike Tashurner. Oh, I'm so sorry. I butcher that every time with RTS powerlifting. Um, and after I started working with him, I did a few local meets with USPA and USAPL. Uh, and then eventually I qualified for nationals and then I ended up competing there. Uh, Got to meet some really cool people, uh, won nationals, and then I went to Worlds. I mean, it's it's been such a <laughs> long road. Wait, you've been you've been in this sport for th- four years? Three, three, I think, three, three? or four. Yeah. You won Worlds Almost in three, four. three years. You won yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh my god! But uh, like, what what was your first your first exposure to powerlifting was? Was there your dad's uh, co-worker's gym? Like, yeah, there? my um, my dad wanted to start to, cause he had been, he was in football and like boxing. So we always kind of knew his way around the weight room, but he didn't okay. like, he wasn't super like proficient and knew all the like tips and tricks for benching, squatting, deadlifting. And he just wanted to work with someone to relearn everything. And I, um, he invited me along and I was like, I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> I finished field hockey. I was kind of bored out of my mind a little bit. Um, and then I started and I was like, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> and then um, my, I totally owe everything to my brother. My, he, um, he was really good at benching and we were kind of along the same length. He was, he was a little ahead of me, but like, like when we started, he was doing like 95, I was doing like 85 pounds. That kind of, we were really, really close. And if you know me, I have a super competitive streak. I, <laughs> I took it so hard and I was so like, 
had to beat him, had to beat him. So I took, I showed up all the time just so that I could bench 135 before he benched 135. And I did it. <laughs> wow, you beat him. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a long road though. It took me, it took me a while, but <laughs> I did beat him. But he told, like, he provided all the motivation that I kind of needed to get in there and keep going and keep working at it, even though it was hard. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to have that kind of uh, insane competitive nature, I would imagine, to to <laughs> compete at IPF Worlds. That's like uh, the, the most, uh, I don't even know what the word is, the most legit world championships. I don't know, because out of all the federations that have world championships, IPF is like the most famous, I would imagine. I think. It was so weird because I got uh, drug tested. <laughs> Um, US APL does random drug testing and before Worlds I had to get drug tested so someone was watching me pee and I was like oh this is awkward <laughs> yeah was... they're weird with that because I, I, like people people do some weird things to beat the test like people like they'll get urine from someone that's clean and uh, I don't know it, it's, it's weird yeah the policies were so I <laughs> it was so awkward for sure Wait, you got tested before Worlds? Like at another yeah. meet or like? Um, no, no, no. They, so Nationals ends, Nationals is generally like October-ish, like sometime that month. Um, so, and Worlds is like in July because they want you to get better <laughs> before Worlds. Um, so in that time period, they schedule a random drug test. So you have to kind of notify them of like, when, where you are. So for me, I was like, oh, I'm going to generally be at home these times. I'll be at school these times. And I'm usually at the gym these times. And they showed up at my gym one day and they were like, uh, hey, <laughs> drug test time. And we did the drug test. <laughs> like they literally ask you like, well, they probably don't tell you what time they're going to come, right? No, they don't. <laughs> they're just like, all right, 3 p.m. No. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. They're just, they just ask you like what time you're going to be at the gym or school or whatever. Yeah, basically. They just kind of ask you to give like a rough schedule of your day and they'll be like, uh, they kind of text you a few minutes before and they're like, oh, I'm on my way to here. Are you there? Can you do the drug test now? God, that's so weird. Yeah, I was, I was actually on my way to my gym and this woman texted me and she's like, um, are you on the, are you at your gym? I'm a representative of USAPL and I'm here to drug test you. And I was like, I'm going all the way, I'm on the way. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard the whole process of uh, collecting the urine samples, just a whole awkward. It is so step. awkward. She was just standing in the corner and I was in the bathroom and we were just kind of like uh, looking at each other. Yeah, that that must have been really uncomfortable. I can't even. First, like, I mean, you kind of get used to it like a little bit through like being weighed in because you're usually like pretty naked to weigh in so you kind of get used to standing in front of a random person <laughs> but uh it was definitely a new it kind of like made the more made the experience feel more real for me because i was like oh god i'm <laughs> getting drug dusted well it's because of the people that get caught that they have to was like go to these measures to test people yeah, I honestly for me it just made it feel like like oh my god I'm like a top level top level athlete or whatever and they have to like do this whole thing and they have this whole procedure. It was definitely nerve wracking. I did a podcast back 
with a bodybuilder. His name's uh, Jake Wojciechowski. Uh, you guys should check him out. He's he's really good. He's good 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 content. But he told me before his show, they made him do a lie detector test, and I was like, what? They're really? Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we did a lie detector test. They were basically asking him some basic questions. Uh, I think it was basically like a, like a like a police interrogation. They're like, "What's your name? What what is uh is this your real name? Uh, did you ever take steroids? Did you?" And then like they're just looking they're just looking at the the I don't know what it's called like the wow. markings like they're like if your heart rate goes up too high oh he's lying <laughs> like the and I was like wow lie detector test I would imagine that's really expensive. Yeah, uh, USA PL doesn't do that. We. Um, since I'm a, I was a minor when I competed, I definitely, and I was competing in team two and not the open. I think I got, I think you would have to ask that, of course, but I think the open powerlifters got tested, um, maybe twice. Um, I think some people got tested like right after the competition. Um, so I think Amanda Lawrence got tested after the competition, like people who won. Yeah. I think whoever makes the is it whoever makes the podium gets a test or? I think for the openness, I, I did not get drug tested after I won worlds. Thank goodness. I was so tired. <laughs> Would have oh, passed yeah. out. Since we're on the topic, how did you like, can you explain like how, like the path to make it to IPF worlds? Like how, how the train? Yeah. So I started to train with this coach, Mike Deschurner. Um, He's super like, he won a bunch, he won worlds a bunch of times. I'm totally going to misquote, but I feel like it was six. <laughs> um, and uh, he does RTS coaching right now. Um, and we started to work together and kind of like, we wanted to kind of test where I was. So I did a local meet and, oh, it's so embarrassing to look back on those videos now because uh, I remember, especially the deadlift, I... I had always trained barefoot because I have super flat feet, which are which is pretty good for deadlifting, especially conventional, um, because you can kind of put power. You're not like the power into the floor isn't like it's like um, is distributed evenly. Yeah. Um, so I always trained barefoot. I didn't read the rules of the competition when I got there. So for my opener deadlift, I went up to the podium absolutely barefoot. It was <laughs> it was so embarrassing. And um, you have a minute before you have to lift, like to kind of prepare yourself, um, like do whatever ritual it is that you, before you lift the weight. Yeah. So in that minute beforehand, I'm running around like, take off your shoes, take off your shoes, like screaming at my sister, trying to get her to take off her Converse so I can slip them on and do my opener. Thankfully, <laughs> she slipped them off with enough time. Like I swear it was like 10 seconds when I got back onto the podium. And Wait, 10 seconds to deadlift my not to deadlift to touch and start to lift the bar oh my feet are not even in the shoes all the way like halfway stuff <laughs> run into the podium there's a video somewhere that's around of me just running around the gym like trying to find some shoes to put on that won't be too like different than being barefoot um so my, my feet are slipped in i'm like halfway on the platform and just pull it, put it down. It counted. Oh, it was so definitely the most anxious I probably felt on the platform ever. That is crazy. I've never heard yeah. of that. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of one federal, I think RPS, if I'm not mistaken, um, they don't care whether you're barefoot or not. I think. Oh, 
USAPL does care. I did learn that. Um, do, you, do you know why though? Or is it just like... I'm not sure if it has something to do with like sanit sanitation or... Oh, maybe. I'm, I'm honestly not entirely sure. I don't really, I don't know what qualifies as like footwear as well because there's the like slippers that a lot of sumo deadlifters like to wear. Wait, that do you, qualify? Don't you need a uh, deadlift socks though? In your I was season? wearing deadlift so socks, yeah. I was barefoot but with deadlift socks on. So like I was just wearing the socks on the platform. Wait, so the socks were just like shin guards then, right? They didn't have the foot part? No, they did. I just was, I wasn't wearing any shoes and that's not allowed. You have to wear shoes. Oh, because you said pure barefoot. And I was like, I thought you were literally like. Oh, no, no, no. I was wearing socks. I just wasn't wearing um, oh, okay. shoes on the platform. Okay. Um, so I'm running. I was, I just had to run around and find some shoes before the time ran out. And uh, thankfully I got it. Um, but I ended up placing first in that competition. Um, and then I um, started to train more with my coach. And I think that was in the summertime. Nationals is in October -ish. Um, so I just started kind of making my way towards that. I did a USPA competition also coming up to that, that was hosted by the local gym, just kind of as like a benchmark to see where I was. Um, and then I ended up going to nationals my first time. I had no idea what to expect. I this is raw had nationals. never, yeah, raw nationals. Uh, it was in Washington that year. It was, so we got there a little early. I got to kind of see what it was like to have like I think, I can't remember if it was four platforms, but pretty sure it was four platforms running at once. Super crazy environment, hectic. Everyone's sweaty, adrenaline is going really, really, really crazy. Was this and the you year have, when it was in Spokane? Spokane? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got to watch the competition a little bit. It was making me so nervous. Um, but my coach, he's such a great guy. He was so calm, like calm in the middle of the storm. My dad is like one of those, um, let's go, let's get it. Come on. Like those kind of guys. My coach was like, Hey, it's no problem. We're, we've yeah. got this, like, just pick up the bar. Just do this. Just do this. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. And, um, it was super, like, I finally got to meet cause there's not a lot of power lifters that are my age. Um, I got to meet a few girls in my age and weight bracket, which was nice. Um, it was definitely my first experience uh, outside of the kind of local meet norm, which is like more than one platform, a bunch, a bunch of people. And like, um, it's not a whole day affair. It's more like a half day because there's so many platforms running at once. They kind of get through everything pretty quick. Um, and I, Ended up placing first in that, um, and then I started to train for Worlds. <laughs> Wait, you, run, you won Raw Nationals? Yeah. I, oh I won the year where we were in Spokane, and then I placed second at the most recent Nationals. I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Damien isn't here to uh, help us out here, but uh, let's see. I'm trying to look here. USAPL run. Oh, my God, you did place first. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Yeah, that's how you qualify. I mean, you either well, yeah, place you first to... or second to qualify for Worlds because the second person usually goes as the alternate if the first person gets, like, uh, In injured. injured. Yeah. Injured or can't compete for any reason, like they, work conflicts. Do they go 
anyway, even though the person is injury free, or is it like a, they can't they confirm before or something? It depends. It depends on like sometimes I have two girls in the same weight bracket. Um, yeah, like compete the, at the same competition. Like that. Like Lawrence. yeah, Mello and Lawrence going together. Um, for me, my whoever was my alternate didn't end up going. So. Oh well, you placed first anyway, though, right? Yeah. So whoever was in second uh, didn't end up going to worlds with me. Okay. I'm not really sure that, like what they use to determine if someone's going to go or not. Um, but worlds was in Sweden that year, Helsingborg. Oh my god, it's my first time out of the country as well. So we had to leave a little early to kind of get adjusted to the different time zone and everything like that. Um, Jet lag is the worst. Oh my god, <laughs> it was because I would it would be like we got there. I could not fall asleep until like 4 a.m. Sweden time. Um, so I was like super hyped, super hyped, super hyped. And then the morning would come and I would like sleep through it. <laughs> but it was so beautiful. Um, just the area we were in was so like European. Um, there was a little tower we could climb. There was so much, so many cool things to do and just kind of to see and like nice restaurants. Uh, it was such a good time. Um, but the day ended up coming where I was competing. I, one of my friends that I made at Raw Nationals, um, her name's Isabella Figueroa. Um, she was there. So we had a fun time, like hyping each other up. We were 6 a.m. weigh in. Well, 6 a.m. Yeah, 6 a.m. weigh in. Was it 6? It was 6 to 8. I think you had to be there super early, but like weigh ins weren't until later. Um, so you had to like check in and everything, like get your bag, like make sure all your gear is good. So you had to show up really early. And then I think weigh-ins were actually at like 8 a.m. But I think you had to be there super early just to make sure all your gear was good, like put in your bar height and all that other stuff. And there was so, there wasn't that many of us, but there was enough of us where it was gonna take a little bit. Um, anyway, so weighed in, everything's pretty good. I was pretty underweight, I was, Oh, I think I was like 175-ish, 176. Um, my weight class is under 181, so that's pretty atypical. Yeah, um, it says 175.6. Wow. <laughs> I was close. I was close. Um, but so I'm, <laughs> I was feeling a little nervous because um, the other girls were a little bigger than I was. I was like, <laughs> um, wasn't sure where I stood. Um, and my coach ended up not being able to make it because of, uh, conflicts with him and everything like that. Um, so it was just me and my dad and we're kind of like, oh no, it's real now. Um, and we started to warm up and I, the, the way I power lift, I just don't think about it <laughs> because if I start to think about it, I psych myself out. Um, so I'm like, it's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> And at the same time, I'm drinking like a bunch of Monster, eating like a bunch of chocolate. So I'm starting to get like really hyped up. Um, squats roll around. We're doing, um, you, by the way the bracket is, you can kind of see um, the heaviest attempts go first and then the lightest attempts go last in the um, flight order. Wait, so, that's weird. I thought it was the opposite. Oh, wait, it might be the opposite, sorry. <laughs> wait, yeah, I thought it was the lightest go first and then the heaviest go later. Oh, no, you, you're totally right. I'm sorry, I'm off. Um, the 
you can kind of see where you are on the flight, basically. Um, and it was kind of fleshing out where I was very, very close with the girl who had come from Russia. Um, she had a heavy, she had a better swap than I did. Um, so I was a little nervous at the end of the first three attempts. I ended up getting all my attempts, which was nice. Um, they were super picky that year about depth. Um, I don't know, one example that I think is really um, prevalent was Jasmine Penn had competed the day before I did. And she got um, red lighted a bunch of times <laughs> for her squat. Um, and so I ended up taking my openers and all my lifts down a lot just so I could really, really nail depth. So my attempts weren't super hard, but I was going like a lot deeper than I do in practice. Um, then bench rolled around. I had a slightly better bench than she did, but we were close enough where it wasn't like, um, it wasn't very obvious that I was going to win. <laughs> we were very, very close. And then we got to deadlifts and it started, she pulled and she was ahead. And then I pulled and I was a little ahead. And then she pulled and she was a little ahead. And then I pulled and I was a little ahead. So by the end of the third, she, she tried to make, I can't remember what number it was specifically, but she tried to make it as heavy as she could lift it so that she could outpace me. Um, Cause I was getting to that point where you're not really sure if you could lift it anymore. You're like, feel like you might be able to, but you're not entirely sure. So I needed, uh, hold up, let me check the number specifically, but it was something like I needed 395 uh, in order to beat her in the competition. Um, it says you lifted 396 here. See, I'm always really close with these numbers. Um, but in order to win, I had to lift that number. I was going to win on body weight uh, if I made that deadlift. I have never done a harder deadlift. I, I, I got up to the podium. The, the, the American team coach, his name is Bill. Uh, he was like, you know, whatever you do, just don't put the bar down. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, so I got to the platform and I was like, oh, it's only 315. It's only 315. It's only 315. I had no idea. I can't count kilograms. So I, I when they talked about the weight, I, I had no idea what I was lifting. And it was more than like 360, but I, I had no idea because they were like hundred something kilograms. And I was like, times 2.2, carry the five. I don't really know. Um, so I get up there and I'm like, it'll probably be no problem. <laughs> I start to lift the weight. Oh man, it was so heavy and so, uh, such a struggle to get off the ground. Uh, but thankfully I ended up locking out and it counted. <laughs> I could just hear the Russian coach in the background go, hitch, hitch. Oh, really? That's hilarious. Yeah. He was like trying to put it in the judge's mind. I did not hitch, <laughs> he, but he definitely was hoping I did. Um, so I ended up winning <laughs> that deadlift. Yeah, that Aleiko bar does not bend. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> that, it was by far, I was, I just had to the day before I had gone and watched some other people compete and there was a lot of people who would get it like halfway up and they would drop it. And I was like, I totally like 
hyped myself up and I was like, I'm not going to do that. Not me. <laughs> and then I, when it came to the time I was lifting, I got it halfway up and I was like, oh, you, you talk so much. You talk so much. You can't do it now. You can't do it now. Um, so I ended up pulling it. <laughs> I'm curious to, to know your opinion on this. I know, I think the year before you went to Worlds, they did this. I think they increased the qualifying totals uh, to qualify for Worlds. And a lot of people, no. They increased the qualifying for nationals, I think, the year after. Yeah. And people really got mad. They were like, <laughs> they were like, why? Like, I want to go to nationals. And they're like, why is the total so high? And um, I think, I think from my point of view, it's kind of makes sense only because it takes a lot to put on meets. So um, by increasing the qualifying total, um, they don't need as many spotters, as many platforms, as like as many um, people to run it. Um, and honestly, I just kind of think it's nationals. You should have to kind of work for it a little bit. Like, of course, I, I want everyone to be able to compete. Um, but I think, I think if they increase the qualifying total for like regionals, that would be messed up. But I think nationals, it's supposed to be like, I don't want to say elite, but a sort of event you kind of have to work for, you know, um, that you have to train for, and that it's tough to be at. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. Yeah, it's it's called nationals, best in the nation. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I think, what is it like, one thousand something lifters were participating in nationals, and they were like, "This is crazy. We got to cut down this number." Or something. Yeah, it was just so many people, and. Um, when I went to nationals, it was before they changed the qualifying totals. There was a lot of girls that I, that were um, not very close to the top four in the bracket. Um, so I was kind of, it makes sense why they cut it down or why they raised the total and cut down the number of people for sure. Um, but I definitely do sympathize because nationals is such a high energy event. And, like, I, I was so upset when I got canceled. <laughs> I totally sympathize with anyone who wants to get there and is struggling because it's such a fun event. Like you get to meet so many people from like Texas, uh, Florida, like California, all over the world that like the same thing that you like, that like are looking to have the same goals and are looking at the same people as you're looking at, you know? It's such a... It's so much fun. Yeah, I mean the the there's a very positive uh, group of it's like a small group. I think powerlifting still it's growing, but it's still relatively small. But the community is great. You know when you when you're at a meet, it doesn't even matter if you're like deadlifting like the bar or like 65 pounds. If you start like grinding the weight, it starts slowing down. Everyone's gonna yeah. start cheer, cheering you on, and it's cool. You know, they don't yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, nobody, nobody really cares. It's just like the work is kind of what everyone's looking for. Seeing people struggle, seeing them succeed and like, or working through failure is definitely a big part of what I kind of think powerlifting is about. Yes. Yeah, so um, sorry, when, go ahead. When you stepped on top of that podium uh, as the IPF world champion, was that the moment where you're like, all right, I, I could, I could be pretty successful at this. Uh, honestly, at that moment, <laughs> I was so out of it. I, I was starting to kind of, 
the the 396 deadlift when I when I say it was a struggle like it was a struggle um so when I started to get on the podium I actually I I had to reach out and grab the first podium is kind of tall I'm <laughs> just just throwing that out there there's not like a step stool like you have to step up and I'm only five three so getting onto the platform it was, it was a little nerve-wracking I actually um the the Japanese girl the girl from Japan uh ended up placing third I actually I was like I'm so sorry and I grabbed her shoulder and like used her to help me up onto the third so I could get up onto the first I was totally seeing spots the whole time I was on the first platform. If you see the video of where they're playing like the national anthem and stuff, I, I totally, I look so out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think kind of for me, um, nationals was a big um, point of where I was like, oh, I'm like pretty good at this. <laughs> um, because there was just, uh, I was working with a lot of girl, before at the local meets, there's not a lot of people my age competing. So I was kind of like, oh, I, I have no idea where I really am. Am I like good at this or am I only good at this because I'm younger than everyone else? Um, but when I got to nationals and got to kind of work with people who were, you know, 16, 17, and then I got to see the 18 and 19 year olds compete, um, I was just sort of like, oh, this is actually really awesome. <laughs> I could probably do this for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still, up, I'm not up and coming, but and I've been in the sport for maybe like for close to five years now, um, and I haven't competed very often. But you know, we're still we're still training for for some big stuff. So, but like in terms of that, like, what are your short term goals, long term goals for this? I'm short term. I'm kind of looking to. Okay, I'm gonna throw out some numbers just because <laughs> they're what I'm working for. Um, so recently in training, I hit 245 bench, um, 345 squat, and then 425 deadlift. I'm kind of looking for, you know, always growing those numbers. But honestly, for me, technique-wise, I'm really looking to kind of nail depth on my squat. I have depth, but I just, I would... One of my shortcomings is definitely like flexibility, getting out of the, bouncing out of the hole, like uh, all those things. So I'm looking to kind of work on my, focus and work on my squat a lot. Um, competition wise, uh, COVID kind of wrecked my competition plans, um, but hopefully I got to start training in a mask for sure. And just try and, I can't imagine squatting in a mask is easy. I haven't done it. I was fortunate enough that I was able to get a bunch of equipment and just put it in the garage and do that. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now as well. I, I've never trained with a mask on. So if I'm looking at competing, I definitely have to work on that. Yeah, because um, they, they required it at meets now, right? The mask. Yep, definitely USAPL. I don't really know what the USPA um, rules are, but definitely for USAPL. Um, Long-term goals, <laughs> I'd love to be back at Worlds again, even if I don't place first, just to be in that environment where it's, Nationals kind of feels like a uh, like a rock star contest where everyone's hyping you up and it's so like loud and energetic and it's all very American. <laughs> um, but then when you get to Worlds, it's more kind of like serious. Like it's like 
instead of a rock star, um, instead of being a rock star, it's like watching an orchestra, you know, like everyone is silent unless people start to like grind it out. Um, and the judges are super serious, like highbrow looking people. <laughs> they wear like, you know, certain uniforms. Um, but just kind of the environment of like working with the best of the best and like kind of seeing how everyone interacts with their coaches, how like people across the world, like their different forms. It was just such a great experience that I totally want to relive if yeah. Worlds comes back. <laughs> I think the key thing that you mentioned there was the, the nature of the crowd. When, when you talk about the American crowd, very loud, very motivating. Oh my goodness. It was, it's such a different vibe. Um, like I said before, you kind of have like people who are like nonstop, like cheering. The music is always like rock music, but then you get to worlds. There's music. There's definitely, it's not like, I don't mean to sell it as something that's not hyped up, but it is more, it has more of a professional, for me at least, it had a professional feel. Got like Beethoven, like classic. Yeah, like, well, the difference between going to a concert and like moshing and all that stuff versus like sitting and watching an orchestra perform. It just sort of felt like, like something to be in awe of when you watched other lifters compete. Uh, I watched uh, Chloe Devlin uh, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like just watching, she's pretty close to um, my age and I was like she was lifting some crazy numbers and I was just like oh my goodness like <laughs> you go girl yeah it's always good to see that see your competition lift hot lift heavier and you're like I, I want to be like that too right it's like yeah this, I, I I keep forgetting where I heard this saying from but I mentioned it in another podcast that it got a laugh but it was um if you're in a group of five idiots, you become the sixth idiot or something. And <laughs> yeah. Then, and like, if you, and then like taking a powerlifting, if you're in a group of five powerlifters, you become the sixth powerlifter. You know, it's like you, you feed off the vibes of the group and this uh, powerlifting's got great vibes. If, if any of you are listening and you're on, on the, on the fence of joining powerlifting, just, just, just join it. It's, it's just for the community alone. Everyone is so supportive of whatever you decide to do, whether it be like, even if you're doing it semi-wrong, everyone is so like willing to help you out, willing to give you a spot, willing to cheer you on, no matter who you are, what you're doing, whatever. It's yeah. the community is definitely one of the big parts of why I like, continue to stay in the sport, even though I'm at my home gym right now. Yeah, I talked with Freya Morrow, uh, this weight, this Olympic weightlifter from the, the UK. She represents Great Britain. And she told me the same exact thing about the crowd. Uh, but only in Olympic weightlifting. It's unique to Olympic weightlifting where right before a lift, everyone is silent. You know, yeah. Dead silent. And like, if someone makes a noise, they're just, they just like shush them. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I had at Worlds. I like, it wasn't dead silent, but it was pretty close. <laughs> Could have just been my adrenaline brain though, not processing anything. Like just lift it, don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass yourself. I feel like I would prefer a lot of a lot more noise than just a completely silent crowd. Just I when I compete, I'm super in my head. Um, so like I kind of have like my own mantra go uh going. So it's like for me it's it's better when I don't know what the weights are because then I, I like to imagine like it's like a warm-up set like 
trick myself into being like, oh, it's, it's a weight I've done a thousand times before. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. And the, <laughs> I hope if I say that enough, it makes the weights a little lighter. <laughs> um, so I'm totally, no matter what music is playing, I'm not even paying attention <laughs> in my own head completely. Yeah, I barely train with any music ever since the garage. Like, obviously, if you're in a commercial gym, yeah, you're, you're going to be listening to music. But it's, uh, you know, pop music and stuff. Uh, for me, I train in almost complete silence. Maybe, maybe like, occasionally I'll, I'll have a podcast on. Not my podcast. That would be weird. But like, I'll have like a Joe Rogan podcast or something. It's like, I don't know, music. I, I'm, I'm able, like, like you said, just able to just stay in my head and just think about what, what the weight I'm doing, the technique, and just oh, go out there sure. and just do it. You know? Yeah, there's like, it's like this dual process of being in your head but not thinking about what you're doing. Um, because when you start to think about it too much, you start to like get a little nervous, you start to mess it up, especially for me, it's bench. If I, if I think about what I'm doing, like, um, I don't do the row the same, I, like something's off when I start to really kind of process it. And that's kind of the point when you compete, you have to get to the point in your training where you're so sure you could do it like blindfolded, <laughs> you know? Um, so for me, I just, I'm in my head, but I'm not thinking about when I get to the competition, I'm not thinking about specifically technique. I'm, I'm always thinking of a little, like some pointers. So like, if I'm like squatting, I'm like to depth, to depth, like make sure you get depth. Or like, if I'm benching, it's like, wait for the command, wait for the command or deadlift. It's like, <laughs> just get the weight up. Um, but if you constant for me anyway, I find that if I concentrate too much on my technique, I, I always tend to mess it up better to let it, the muscle memory kind of kick in. Is that like part of your, I mean, we talked before we started recording uh, about you study psychology. Do you think that kind of like helped you with like your mentality and going up to a max deadlift? Oh my God, for sure. Um, when I, whatever it is, like, I don't know if it's just fear, but starting to think about like, especially when I was doing the, um, my last world's deadlift, it's like, I've only ever done, uh, 370 in the gym I've only ever done 370 in the gym how am I even supposed to even like look at 396 and be like yeah I'm gonna get this how do you know that you don't know that but you do know you're gonna get your warm-ups so for me I was like 315 is one of my warm-ups and I was like it's just 315 on the bar it's just 315 on the bar there's no like don't be nervous it's just 315 on the bar and it actually worked for me um I I just kind of let myself get lost in other thoughts, like just <laughs> not trying to worry about the exact number or like how heavy it's gonna be, but sort of more think about something else. <laughs> Still being focused, but a different kind of focus. Yeah. Powerlifters, like every everyone is different. I know there was a, there's a power, there are a bunch of powerlifters that like to imagine a scenario where they cannot fail. Like, uh, they'll maybe like their, a, a relative is like stuck under a car. I must deadlift this. I must save him. Or like, uh, they'll, they'll go to a dark place or they'll just get really aggressive and like, yeah. And just grip and rip, just go like they just. Yeah. Mine is kind of similar. I just imagine a situation where 
it's unlikely that I'll fail. So like doing a warm-up set, you know you're not gonna fail a warm-up set. It's a warm-up set. Yeah. Um, of course it's gonna be heavy because you know you're warming up, but it's at the end of the day, it's something you've pulled before and that you're gonna pull again. So I mean it, it took me so long from like I always hated deadlift after my from my first competition. Even now I'm a little bit like, man, it sucks. It's do so much work. Um, but just kind of getting the mentality of deadlift, it's so different from the other lifts for me. For uh, for me, deadlift's always been hit or miss. Um, <laughs> I train with hook grip. Oh, uh, rough. Yeah, that is really rough. Especially if you're going like past five reps, your thumbs just they just start to fall off a little bit. Yeah. I basically don't have any nerves there anymore. I just, they're just, dead. <laughs> but like you, like something with my technique, I don't know what it is. It's just like I, it, a max attempt is I either get it, it just flies or I just, it can't even budge off the ground. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> Do you sumo or conventional? I sumo. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I feel like, I don't know who told me this, but sumo, if you get it off the ground, it's pretty likely you're going to make it, but for conventional, it's, kind of a lockout that's the hardest part or at least for me yeah i don't know i i do a little bit of sumo i i've just never been as strong as i am at conventional with sumo i love the politics between sumo and conventional <laughs> absolutely love it everyone gets so mad <laughs> like both are really cool i mean i understand like it's the same thing there's kind of like bench politics as well where it's like, how high should you allow someone's arch to be? Because there's people who have oh like, my a stroke. <laughs> like I can't even, I can't demonstrate to you like how small some strokes are. Um, but it's really just like, it's not like they got that stroke um, naturally. Like they have to work to be flexible and kind of get to that point. Yeah, um, arch, yeah the arch is all in the T-spine. It's, it's not easy. I like it, it looks, it doesn't like look hard compared to like benching a full, not a full stroke, but a bigger stroke. Um, but just kind of getting there and maintaining that position. It's just as hard as doing a flat bench, uh, or at least I think so. Um, sumo and conventional, it's just kind of what your body type leans towards. I'm, I just happen to be better at conventional. So I compete with it, but sumo is a good training tool for me, especially like training for squats. Cause it's a quad movement. Um, I use sumo a lot. Sumo yeah, and high bar. <laughs> I think any, every powerlifter should to train the other very other style. Like, even if it's not something that you're going to do in a competition, I think it's just good to get, get work with it. Like if you're a conventional puller just try out sumo to, to get some accessory and for me, I'm a sumo puller. I always pull conventional. Oh my God. I love conventional. <laughs> I'm so committed. Um, yeah. I just feel like there's so many benefits to each lift where it's like, why wouldn't you train both? Yeah. Even if you're not going to use both in competition, uh, there's so many benefits outside of just the deadlift movement, whether it be for like squat or bench less. So depends on how much leg drive you're using in your bench and everything, but you know, it just has uh, impact outside of the lift itself. If you if you deadlifted conventional on your first attempt and came out on your second doing sumo, would that be allowed? 
I have care. no idea, but that would be real. I feel like it is allowed because there's no, I feel like there's no policy that's like, you can't, you can only sumo, you can only conventional, you can only do one or the other. I would love to see someone do that one day. That would be awesome. <laughs> you start out with like, um a 275 sumo deadlift and then you come out with like a 400 pound conventional deadlift as your second attempt that'd be epic that would be the opposite for me it'd probably be the the 275 conventional and then the sumo would be like 10 times <laughs> bigger but the argument like conventional. yeah the argument is like it's just because of the range of motion and obviously some people they're just really good at it like killer killer woolam that guy's sumo deadlift like it comes off the ground and he locks out. Yeah. It, yeah. But I mean, you have to have the flexibility and the, the body type. It's, it's not like, I don't think it's easier per se. Oh, it's definitely not easier. I mean, well, <laughs> like they're both so difficult. I mean, the deadlift itself is just a monster movement. It's so, there's so many muscle groups and so much you have to incorporate to kind of, you know, get it without injuring yourself. Uh, I, I, but to be fair, I've never, I've never sumoed anything over like 315, whereas my conventional is like at the point where it's over for 405. So I don't know. Okay. Well, it kind of takes me to uh, nutrition. So what is it like nutrition wise for you. I mean, basically, I'm I'm not too overly worried about it. I've always kind of been smaller in my weight class, so um, usually I weigh in round in the 170s somewhere, whether it be low 170s or high 170s. Um, honestly, for me, I just kind of try and um, make sure I'm having some protein after my workouts. Um, Definitely one tip I got from one of my dietitian friends was um, if you're having a long workout, like, and you need some quick energy, like grab some candy, like especially sour gummies that are super popular. Um, I love to eat those during my squats. Um, but honestly, I just kind of, I don't want to say YOLO it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not super strict on it just because it, being super strict on it for me ends up not working out and just kind of, you know, being a college student and everything, eating at, um, I go to Stony Brook, uh, eating at like the meal halls. It's a little more difficult to kind of track macros and calories and everything because you're not, you're not bringing your food scale to the meal halls and stuff. Well, is that, that, I feel like if you're doing that, that's like, you're, you're like basically in like, deep prep for like a bodybuilding show but like yeah. <laughs> in terms of like eating for performance like i like i'm not super strict with it at all either but i i tend to like to eat more healthier options like uh, i like oatmeal i like uh i like i like my vegetables for you know, I like, sure I like balance yeah i definitely like chicken um chicken and rice big staple <laughs> my college student staple is definitely chicken and rice um more like cup noodles right that's the, the no <laughs> that's not my stable <laughs> um but just kind of honestly the better I mean I've always noticed the better I eat the easier my workouts are just kind of like I don't go into it feeling bloated like I feel better when I'm squatting and deadlifting especially 
Um, so I always try to keep it uh, nothing crazy, like no ice cream for breakfast kind of days, <laughs> but nothing like where I'm tracking it to the gram, like especially in macros. I kind of like loosely track, um, but really for me, definitely the hard part is getting my sleep schedule. Oh, um, wow. Because like, you know, life of a college student, I'm up studying sometimes, just trying to get in the correct hours of sleep to make, to like uh, maximize the effects of my workout is something I struggle with because time management is such a, you know, difficult thing. Yeah, I, I, that's what I don't like about people that are trying to get in shape. They always make these excuses and I don't like it, but uh, a lot of, a lot of them like, uh, well, it's weird. Cause you see gyms fill up in January <laughs> and then like March, where did they go? Like they're, they're like gone. So I got to go to powerlifting gyms. There's always the same people there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not trying to say like people like they're just, they're lazy, but maybe they are. I don't know. But that, who knows? It's just like when you set a goal, you have to, you have to see it through, you know, especially if it's something like you, like where your health is in question, you know, you know, yeah, working, out, working out will make you healthier, you know? Yeah. I think for like specifically for um, people training for competitions, it's super like exercise is like 50% nutrition is like uh, 20% and then like I would say 25. It's split pretty evenly between nutrition and like getting your sleep. Um, and it's so like, I see a lot of people who talk about exercising and it's like, yes, exercise, like do it, do it. But also make sure you go to sleep at the right time. And like, you're not staying up. I mean, I'm super guilty of this, staying up to like 2 a.m. playing video games or procrastinating a little bit and staying up till 2 a.m. to finish assignments. Um, it's super vital to get in the uh, correct amount of sleep so that when you go to your workouts, you're um, feeling refreshed and because there's a lot of benefits for sleeping and stuff. Yeah, sleeping for, what is the recommended for like, is it like eight hours now, seven? Oh my God, I just try to get an eight. <laughs> Anything more than eight is it's so much for me because I, I feel like I'm juggling. I mean, this is excuses of course, but um again college student uh prepping for finals you know taking a bunch of credits trying to decide what I want to do with the rest of my life um stuff that keeps you up at night <laughs> yeah that's definitely a that probably that gives me nightmares sometimes <laughs> yeah for sure what am I going to do for the rest of my life oh my god like the ever have those it's definitely in quarantine I have those crisis moments where I'm like oh god should I change my major again like what's your what should I do what should I do what am I gonna do with this COVID-19 oh my god how did you do during the lockdown for training was it like just no no training for a while um, I mean for a few weeks well it was kind of so everyone gets kicked off of campus we're back on the way home um no one's really it was a weird time because no one was really sure like was it just a type of flu or was it something more serious? Um, it was kind of where people were beginning to recognize that it was, you know, pandemic. Um, but before it became super duper lockdown. Um, and in that time period, I was kind of like, what are they gonna do about gyms? Like, 
I didn't have a home gym at the time. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And my dad was kind of like, I don't really want to invest in a home gym because I'm at college most of the time. Um, but if this thing lasts longer than two to three weeks, like we'll invest and try and grab one. Needless to say, it lasts longer than two to three weeks. So we ended up getting a home gym and I, I lost 10%, but I'm over where I was um, when I stopped training. I basically got a little break. Oh, okay, okay. I took two weeks off to kind of like um, get a home gym, set it up, see if I needed one. Um, then I realized I needed one. <laughs> uh, so I took about a two week break. I think that was around the time, a little bit before finals were happening, but upcoming. Um, so I was dedicating myself a lot to my studies. Um, and I got a nice little two week break. Definitely glad I'm back though. All right. Well, right just before we end this podcast, uh, why don't you tell, well, like who has been your like biggest supporters in this whole powerlifting journey? Oh my gosh. There's so many people we'd be here all night, but I mean, I have to give my dad definitely, he's such a, um, it's just the value of having a, a gym partner, you know, someone who, kind of shames you into going to the gym when you really, really don't, when you'd rather be doing anything else. Um, my coach, Mike Tishurner, and all my other previous coaches who were awesome people. Um, I mean, their belief in me is definitely one of the main reasons I kept training. Like, um, they thought I could do it. So I was like, eh, they're pretty smart people. I'm pretty sure I got this. Um, and then just everyone who I've met, like through the community, who's kind of, I mean, Dimitri is a good example. I have a bunch of friends at SMG Powerlifting, um, the two gyms, SMG Powerlifting and Outlift Athletics. I mean, oh, there's just so many people. I feel like I'm rambling on forever, but just kind of the whole community aspect has been such a big factor in like, I want to come back. I want to see all my friends. So, you know, post COVID, <laughs> I'll definitely be back in the gym. Yeah. That's good that you have a good support group. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's such, it's one of the main reasons I was able to do everything that I could because everyone was, I felt like everyone was behind me, you know, like I, when I went to worlds, um, everyone was so supportive, like even in, in my high school and my gym, I mean, everyone was like, oh my gosh, good luck. You got this. Like, you're going to kill it. It was just such a great reminder of how many people are rooting for me. All right. Well, where can people find you on social media? Okay. So um, Instagram at Antera.jax. Spell it out because it's a weird name. Uh, A-N-T-A-R-A dot J-A-C-K-S. Um I haven't been super active recently just because I don't have a nice camera set up in my home gym, but I'm hoping after Thanksgiving, I'll be back in action, uh, sharing a little bit more as I keep working towards the next competition. All right. Well, that was episode 57, guys. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. All right. Peace. Uh, <laughs> tune it out, guys. Peace. Bye.